from O'Melveny & Myers, this is Achieve With. Welcome to our very special episode of Achieve With, the new O'Melveny podcast featuring the country's leading lawyers discussing very significant issues, the cross-section of government policy and the economy on technology. I'm Greta Nightingale. I'm the chair of O'Melveny's National Security Practice. And today we're going to be talking about the impact of U.S. national security and economic policies on corporate America, um, and in particular on how those measures, such as the CHIPS Act, um, are impacting the semiconductor companies and their cross-border strategies. Uh, most of what we'll be talking about is really about China, which is is front and center uh, with these issues. And I'm thrilled to say that I have with me my partner, Ron Klain, who you may know as the former White House Chief of Staff for President Biden. Before leaving the administration earlier this year, Ron was playing a very critical role with all of the policy issues that we're going to talk about today. I'm also very privileged to have Harry Woolen, who has had a very distinguished career in the semiconductor sector, most notably as the general counsel of AMD uh, for the last several years. So welcome, Ron and Harry. So pleased that you could be here. So starting with China and starting with Ron, uh, with your government hat on, if uh, you can wear that for a, a moment um, before turning to all your perspectives from your time in the private sector, I thought it would be helpful if we set the stage by really talking about China and what our concerns are. This is certainly an area where there's been a lot of evolution over the last several years, dating back to your time in the Obama administration. But if you could encapsulate for us from your perspective, um, really what are the core issues with China and how do we deal with those issues at the same time recognizing that China is a very valuable trading partner? Well, Greta, thank you. So China is a very valuable trading partner and our economic relationship with China remains a very significant part of the U.S. economy both in the aggregate and with regard to very uh, important specific subsectors like the trade and semiconductors. But basically, I think what's going on here is for a quarter century, the U.S. and most Western nations had a policy towards China, which took the view that by integrating China into the global economy, you would see liberalization in China, better human rights, more democratic behaviors, more respect for intellectual property rights, and that China would become more like the West if the West integrated China into its economy. And that policy has failed. Um, China uh, has not become more like the West. In fact, China absorbed Hong Kong, and instead of that liberalizing China, China cracked down in Hong Kong. Uh, we're seeing in now in China, um, you know, more more uh, harassment of foreign businesses doing business there, continuing ongoing intellectual property theft in a variety of ways, and certainly not liberalization, but in fact, if anything, more autocracy in China. That's causing harm to China's own economy. What it's doing isn't working for China. It's also not working for the rest of the world either. And so, um, and so I think the world's trying to figure out what to do to adjust this policy. And uh, uh, the other thing that's happened is that uh, as a result of liberalizing trade with China, we've seen a loss of manufacturing jobs in the United States. We import a lot of manufactured goods from China. That keeps costs down, but it means a lot of Americans lost their jobs in manufacturing. When President Biden took office, he determined to reverse that. So he's pushed through an agenda that is helping to restore manu American manufacturing. One of the key elements of that is trying to manufacture semiconductors here in the United States. That's what the CHIPS Act is about. 
It's a bipartisan bill that passed with overwhelming votes from Democrats and Republicans to create incentives to increase the manufacturing of semiconductors here. We saw during the pandemic our inability to get semiconductors from China uh, resulted not just in harm to the technology industry, but all the other industries where semiconductors are key, key integral uh, component, like auto manufacturing. So to protect our supply chains and to uh, regain our, make sure we have maintained technological superiority over China, uh, making semiconductors here and including advanced semiconductors here is an important part of administration policy. Uh, I also think part of it is there's a concern about the Chinese defense industry, how they're using uh, technological assets to uh, conduct a massive military buildup in China that might include threatening Taiwan. And so it's all these things. It's national security issues. It's economic issues all come together to create these sharper policy contrasts with China now. Thank you, Ron. And Harry, from, from the industry perspective um, and with your the benefit of your experience of um, and knowledge of the relationship of China over the years, what does the government have right? What what Where is there more work to do? And, you know, Ron mentioned the CHIPS Act. Um, it's um, obviously an important piece of legislation and one that I know that AMD has um, supported. Um, what can you offer from the perspective of private industry um, on, on these matters? Well, first of all, we do think that the CHIPS Act is a huge boon for our industry and also for the country. We've lost our manufacturing leadership in semiconductors and, you know, to bring state-of-the-art manufacturing back on shore, I think, is vital to the long-term industry and also long-term national security. It's one of those things where, you know, fortunately, our design is at the leading edge of things. Um, we just have to make sure that we've got the proper manufacturing. And where I think the Chipsack really did well was not only to bring back the best U.S. manufacturing on the U.S. soil, but also the best global manufacturing. So our top U.S. manufacturers had fallen behind uh, others such as TSMC in Taiwan and Samsung in Korea. And what we really like about the uh, CHIPS Act is that it's offering incentives to bring those foreign manufacturers onto U.S. soil. So you see that with the very large um, installations going in in the Phoenix area for TSMC and in Texas for uh, Samsung. Um, that being said, you know, it's very, not, you know, we're still going to be dependent on uh, Taiwan and on Korea for some time. And so we've got to make sure that we, you know, keep the relationships where they need to be. And, you know, also when we look at China, you know, not only is it an incredibly valuable trade partner, but it's an incredibly valuable competitor. They're driving a lot of things in our industry now. And, you know, we're no longer ahead in every area of semiconductor technology like we were in the old days. And so where I think the government has a real balancing job to do with the help of industry is not only to look at national security and not only to look at the economics of the situation, but learn where we can, in a cooperative way, learn from each other. Because if we create too big of a void in China, that void will be filled by Chinese technology. And, you know, their goal is not just to have the best technology in China. Their goal is globalization. And if we create a scenario in which um, they are forced to become uh, a global power in everything they do, 
um, they will fill that void. So it's a question of, is it two years? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it longer? But we've got to be very aware that, you know, whatever policies we have in place, we don't encourage behavior that will be de long, detrimental to us in the long term. Yeah, I want to just reiterate something Harry said. I, I think Harry's got this exactly right. It's a very delicate balance. And even if you're a China hawk, you have to be careful about not overdoing it here. Um, there are obviously substantial chip fabs in China operated by non-Chinese companies, by Western companies, by, by democratic uh, by companies from democratic countries in Asia. And if all those companies all left tomorrow, the Chinese would just take over those chip fabs and it would they would be Chinese-run chip fabs. I don't think that's in anyone's interest. I don't think it's in the interest of the United States or our allies. And uh, that, would, that would accelerate Chinese innovation in the space. That would accelerate their competitive edge in the space. So I think that walking this fine line between doing what we can to increase U.S. manufacturing and, and to impose reasonable export controls on things being sent to China without, a, without uh, spurring off a new wave of Chinese activity is where we want to be. And I think it's a very fine line to walk. And I think Harry did a good job of articulating that. Thank you very much on on the Chips Act. You know that that obviously creates incentives. Um, uh, there are other measures out there that are designed to address the national security threat. You've both mentioned export controls. This has been in the news a lot lately. There's a lot of talk about new controls. It's a very technical area. Um, I think one event that just has been gotten a lot of attention was this so-called Huawei shock. Um, the uh, Huawei, the, the company that is on the entity list and a, a subject of a lot of concern, um, just launched their Mate 60 Pro smartphone, and it is equipped with seven nanometer semiconductors. And there's a lot of concern about whether or not it somehow was able to evade export controls, whether it has, in fact, developed this technology. Um, it's been uh, a huge focus, both in Congress and uh, in the administration. Ron, I don't know what your perspective is on that. It was it was obviously uh, somewhat embarrassing because the big announcement was made when when the Secretary of Commerce was in China. How does the Biden administration find this balance that you've both been talking about um, when um, when there are all these uncertainties and there's some concern that we may be pushing China into? Um, creating the kind of technology that we're worried about them having. Yeah. Look, I think it's a great point, Greta, that you raise and that Harry raises. And it's not just occurring in the abstract. It's occurring at the dawn of the AI era. And I think everyone's concerned about what a technological lead in semiconductor field means, particularly advanced packaging, um, to uh, to the future of AI and, and how AI is used and who has the lead in AI. And so it's not just a debate we're having in the abstract. We're having it around a very specific historical moment in technolo technological advance. Um, but I think that you know, what, the, what the administration has to do is find a way for us to compete with China and compete effectively uh, without it becoming confrontation. I don't think anyone wants war with China. And as Harry noted, uh, our economy is still highly dependent on uh, Chinese manufactured, well, chips manufactured in China, whether they're manufactured by Chinese companies or by non-Chinese companies. Um, and um, and we don't want to cut off our nose to spite our face here. And so I think that the export controls are important because we have to be careful about the, the shipment of very advanced materials to China and how they might use those in their defense sector. 
how they might be used and to help uh, in the ways in which China is assisting Russia in the war with Ukraine. Uh, and uh, so I think there are very important national security concerns, but we could overdo it in a way that winds up hurting our own national security by spurring Chinese development of their own technology, by pushing China ahead. And so we have to find that right balance between just the right amount of export controls to try to keep things where they are without overdoing it and winding up with China leaping ahead of us. So I think it's it's a tough tough balance to manage. Right. Harry, what is your perspective? I know you spend time focusing on export controls. Does the government have it right? Or is there is there more that they should be doing in terms of advancing the interests of, of U.S. companies? Well, I think when we look at export controls in general, there's a couple things that we want to see in the industry. So we want to see whatever export regulations they come up with, that all companies are treated fairly. We want to see that a there is a nice, uh, basically, balance between what we need to do from a national security standpoint and an economic standpoint versus allowing American companies to participate in a very large and very lucrative market. And, you know, we need to make sure that, um, you know, there's just a lot of balance. And when we think about putting those in place, we make sure that when we put an export regulation in place or when we put parameters in place for an export uh, uh, prohibition of some sort, that we are doing so with one that has been well thought through. What we've seen lately that is a little bit discouraging is we will see something come into place and then almost as soon as it's put into place, um, the government realized it was not done properly or that it did not solve the problem that was aimed to be solved. And so, you know, it's very hard for companies to plan their business. It's very hard to make commitments to customers it's very hard to tell Wall Street what your numbers are going to be when things keep changing on you. So I think where the government has it right is that clearly they know much more about national security issues than industry does. But working with the industry to come up with regulations that are uh, meant to solve the task at hand while still allowing industry to participate in lucrative markets that are not a threat to national economics or national security, that's the balance for me. And, you know, I think we've done that in an okay way so far, but there's certainly a lot of improvement that could occur. Thank you for that thought. I, I, I know that, that certainly the, the, uh, um, this Commerce Department um, certainly states that it, it likes to get input from industry and uh, uh, I, I trust as these new regulations that are being talked about are, are developed that, that you will um, be able to provide that valuable input. Harry, focusing just on doing business in China, I, I know that, that as, as we've been talking, China is, is a very important market. Uh, there are also, um, China has also um, sought to impose its own restrictions that address the growing tensions between China and the United States. Do you have any advice that you can offer companies that are trying to straddle both terrific markets? Um, what has worked for, for AMD? Well, I, I, think, I think the way you described it is perfect, that we are trying to straddle both markets and both sets of regulations. Um, 
you know, we're seeing a lot of tit for tat. So, you know, what just happened with Micron technology being prohibited from, you know, certain sales in China is basically retaliation for, for U.S. government actions. I don't think that was uh, an isolated incident. I think we'll see much more of that over time. So I think, again, you know, we know that uh, the Chinese government is going to retaliate and they are going to react strongly to things that the U.S. government does. And so as the U.S. government takes these actions, make sure that there are the actions that are needed to be taken to protect whatever we're trying to protect and really do it in a way that is thoughtful, not only to what the U.S. government needs, what U.S. industry needs, but also with uh, some forefront of what type of retaliation or reactions there might be um, you know, to those regulations or restrictions that are put into place. What we have tried to do uh, as a company doing, an American company doing business in China is make sure we understand both sides very well. And, you know, it's very clear we, can, we are going to abide by whatever rules, regulations, and laws the U.S. puts in place. You know, but at the same time, we're still trying to do business in China and be a good corporate citizen in China within the limitations that are set for us. And so as we do that, you know, it's just we're walking a tightrope. So, you know, how do you work with the Chinese government and how do you work with Chinese customers when, you know, the relationship between the two countries is is very strained at the moment? And so it's, you know, I'd love to give you a strategy or product, things that have worked for us, but it changes almost on a daily basis <laughs> because uh, the, the rules change, the regulations change and uh, how they affect us changes. And all of that, when you add to it, the technology, especially as we go into the dawn of AI is moving at an incredibly fast pace. You know, I think the only thing we're seeing that's constant in this is change. And so that's, you know, what we're trying to deal with and how we are trying to move forward uh, in dealing uh, in China's American company. Well, very well said. I. Um, uh... Didn't expect you to have a silver bullet, um, but it's 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 comforting to know that there is management uh, going on where you have obviously two very important um, governments there to to address. Ron, any final thoughts on on that from your perspective in terms of you know what is there anything that the U.S. government can and should be doing more? Um, some of your observations, both inside and outside of government. Look, I think the CHIPS Act is, is an important step to try to help companies relocate operations from China to the United States and to uh, de-risk their, their own supply chains and their own manufacturing because we really don't know what the future holds for China. And um, it is right now a, a lucrative market and a legal market for U.S. companies, but we don't know that it will always be that way. As we saw, as hundreds of companies had to r rapidly exit Russia after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, they could come. We're doing business in China no longer remains viable. And if that day comes, I hope it doesn't. But if it comes, uh, we need to make sure that U.S. companies suffer the least possible losses and that our supply chains and commercial operations in the U.S. suffer the least possible losses. So reshoring some of this production in the United States makes sense in every single respect. Uh, in the meantime, I think it's important for the, the administration to have clear export controls. I take Harry's point. They keep changing, keep changing in part because the threat keeps changing and the complexity of the industry is such that you keep changing, but the administration needs to be a good partner with industry on this. It needs to protect our national security interests and our economic interests, but understand slapdash approach won't work and clarity 
and certainty is very important because these are huge investments that we're asking companies to make in the U.S. and overseas. Those investments need to be made with clarity and understanding of the rules. So I talk to U.S. companies, I hear them say that they find the export controls often confusing and constantly changing and difficult, but I'm also um, impressed by the fact that most U.S. executives recognize that the government has to do something to try to uh, combat the threat from China and the challenge that China pay- faces. As one said to me, it's a pain in the ass to deal with every single day, but if I woke up one day and missiles were headed towards the island of Taiwan, I, I wouldn't. I would want to think that our chips are not on those missiles. And so, you know, people. I think. I think industry understands why the government's doing what it's doing, and what the national security considerations are, and I hope the government works well with industry to try to make these uh, export controls effective and a sound element of U.S. policy without um, vexing industry too much in a way that's counterproductive, and in the, in the end creates inadvertent incentives to spur Chinese innovation and Chinese growth. So. Uh, it's a tough area, but hopefully industry and government work together effectively to meet our, our shared needs. Well, thank you both very much um, for these insights. They're very much appreciated, and, and we appreciate your time today. Thank you for listening to Achieve With, an O'Melveny and Myers podcast. This podcast is a summary for general information and discussion only and may be considered an advertisement for certain purposes. It is not a full analysis of the matters presented, may not be relied upon as legal advice, and does not create an attorney-client relationship between the firm and the listener. Portions of this communication may contain attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Views expressed by guests are their own. Please direct all inquiries regarding New York's Rules of Professional Conduct to O'Melveny & Myers, LLP. Times Square Tower, 7 Times Square, New York, New York, 10036. Phone 1212 326 2000.